Monday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. When you visit the website, abotanicalcompany.com, use the discount code ColbyShow, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, discount code ColbyShow to save 15% off your online order. Really easy to navigate the website, easy and safe pickup. Colby Show at checkout for 15% off your online order, abotanicalcompany.com, whether you're looking for CBD, Kratom, or the new Delta 8 capsules. Either way, save 15% off your online order, abotanicalcompany.com, discount code Colby Show. All right, we had a busy weekend. Six NFL games getting ready for tonight's College Football National Championship. So much to discuss. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I spent most of the weekend just watching football, so not a whole lot to really talk about as far as uh, doing anything super exciting. Uh, But look, six great football games over the weekend. I say great. Um, I was was excited about just the playoff matchups for the most part. I thought the AFC games were going to be more interesting than the NFC games. Uh, Last night, the Browns and the Steelers, we'll get into that in a minute. But, um, you know, as I kind of settled in for the night, getting ready for that Brown-Steelers game, I, you know, kind of got everything done that I needed to get done. And as that thing kicks off, I'm ready for like this four-quarter playoff type atmosphere close game back and forth like I was I was all settled to watch that thing for the next three to four hours and it just snowballed so quickly and got out of hand so quickly I was kind of mind blown and and look to be honest with you after it was 28 to zero I'd be lying if I said I I really paid super close attention to the game I still kept an eye on it and it was something that I was still watching halfway but yeah, I mean, it, it felt like game over. Certainly, Pittsburgh was able to get the offense going and score some touchdowns and just do enough that I think it, it kept the game on one of the screens for me, but it didn't didn't ever get to a situation where I was just glued to the television watching every snap. Uh, and, you know, again, credit Baker Mayfield and the Browns. They're one of the best stories in the NFL, if not the best story in the NFL in 2020. It's been decades of complete misery in Cleveland. And to not only make the postseason, I talked about this a week ago as far as the best stories in the NFL. I thought Baker Mayfield and the Browns a week ago were one of the best stories just making the playoffs. And I know they said it wasn't just about getting there. It was about doing something with the opportunity. They made the most of that opportunity. And to see Baker Mayfield lead the Cleveland Browns to a playoff win is just unbelievable. Nobody anticipated that would be the case three years ago when he was drafted number one overall by the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, being at that draft, I'm sitting there, I think everybody kind of anticipated as it got closer that Baker was going to be the guy. Even at the draft, though, there was still, talking to NFL people, there was still the belief that it wasn't a sure thing guaranteed number one Baker Mayfield was going to go. But when he was selected number one overall, I thought it was a great pick, not just because the ability and the arm talent and all that, which I thought was first round worthy. I thought Baker Mayfield's physical skills, his ability to throw the football, everything we had watched from him at Oklahoma, I thought he was a first round pick anyway. But I I think for me, it was the mentality that separated him as far as being the pick for Cleveland, as opposed to, you know, maybe if the Giants had it, Sam Darnold is the pick. Or maybe if, you know, pick your team, uh, the Buccaneers or, you know, anybody random from that draft, maybe Buffalo who took Josh Allen in the top 10. Maybe if it's anybody else, they don't go Baker Mayfield. Maybe they go Sam Darnold or, you know, Josh Allen or Josh Rosen or, uh, you know, whatever. But I thought that Baker's mentality played a giant role in him being 
that draft pick, if Cleveland was going to get somebody that was going to come in, play for a bad team, and turn it around, it was going to have to be somebody that could, I think, withstand the amount of pressure there is to be a number one pick, but also somebody that is going to lose a bunch of football games, somebody that's going to play bad, somebody that's going to have to be a part of a bad organization and still show up every day with the mentality that they're going to turn it around and that they're going to become a winning program. So Baker Mayfield, I think more than most NFL prospects at that position came in with that sort of mentality and it was the perfect fit. I don't think that we would be talking about the same turnaround in Cleveland if anybody else in that draft had been taken number one. I'm not saying that Josh Allen wouldn't have become a great player there, but I think when you have so much negativity around a football organization and, and this expectation to fail no matter what, you have to have a guy that is going to be able to stand there even while the team is failing and while the team is playing bad football and while the losses are piling up and still believe and still lead those guys to believe that they're capable of achieving, you know, playoff caliber football and winning playoff games. So, you know, in retrospect, the Baker Mayfield pick was perfect for Cleveland. I think, again, his personality was just what was the separator in that draft and what absolutely Cleveland needed if they were ever going to propel themselves out of the dumps of the NFL. So, again, I think the Baker Mayfield story this year and the Cleveland Browns story is just incredible uh, just a few years after he's taken number one overall. I do still love that the the Baker Mayfield doubters like absolutely refuse to ever, first of all, give him credit or give the Browns credit for that matter. Nobody likes being wrong. I mean, I, I certainly uh, don't like being wrong. I make predictions all the time, and I'm I'm – Never 100% right. We all make mistakes with predictions. We all make mistakes with projections. Uh, You know, going back to that draft, I didn't think Josh Allen was a top 10 caliber pick. Um, The physical tools were obviously there, but, um, you know, it just, I was never necessarily wowed by Josh Allen at Wyoming. Obviously, the accuracy issue was something that was talked about when he was drafted. And look, I, I have no issue saying I was completely wrong about Josh Allen. Um, I, you know, I, I would say this about Lamar Jackson as well. I, I didn't think Lamar Jackson was going to be an elite quarterback in the NFL. I didn't think he was a good enough passer to be an elite quarterback in the NFL. Um, while I think there are still uh, some deficiencies in that area, he's miles better than I ever gave him credit for. And I have no problem saying that, that he proved me wrong, for sure. He can be a quarterback in this league. He can also win in this league. It's not just playing the position. I, he's a guy that makes game-winning plays. So, um, you know, both of those guys are significantly better than I thought they would be. Both of those guys are top 10 NFL quarterbacks, and I, I wouldn't have said that was going to be the case. But, it, you know, some people just want to double down or move the bar when they make these predictions and then they're proved wrong. Uh, you know, like if you say, I don't think Baker Mayfield will be a starting quarterback in the NFL, and then obvi- then he becomes a starting quarterback in the NFL, then we, we move that bar to... Well, I don't think he could be a, a guy that leads a, a team to the playoffs or win playoff games. And then when he does that, it's going to become, well, I don't think he can lead them to a Super Bowl. Well, guess what? Very few guys ever do that. Um, but, you know, there are so many people, I feel like, that just uh, defend their stance to the very end, whether it means just completely ignoring what's happening on the field or moving what was actually said, moving that bar uh, to somewhere that, you know, obviously helps fit your narrative. So... Uh, it's funny to see the Baker Mayfield people um, completely, you know, move that bar 
over and over and over. But regardless of your feelings on Baker, I think everybody understands. And and look, here's the other thing. It's not just Baker Mayfield. Let's let's also give the entire organization, the coaching staff, the players around Baker a lot of credit. It's not like it's just Baker and a bunch of bums. They run the football really well. That offensive line is one of the best in the league. Uh, you know, the, the tandem, obviously, in the backfield has been awesome all year long. Um, you know, Miles Garrett is a problem in the NFL. So there are good players that surround Baker Mayfield, good coaching staff finally in Cleveland. But again, he's the leader. And if you're gonna if you're gonna criticize Baker Mayfield when Cleveland loses, then I think he deserves credit when they win. So um yeah, awesome, awesome uh situation for Cleveland. And, you know, I I'm excited to see Baker versus Mahomes again next weekend. Not that I anticipate the Browns are gonna win the game or anything like that, but uh, the last time we saw these two guys play against each other, um, it was like 3,000 points scored in four quarters. So, uh, yeah, look, it's uh, the Browns are a great story. Uh, I mentioned Lamar Jackson. Let's talk about that for a second as well because I thought, uh, first of all, I thought the Tennessee Ravens game was going to be great. It was the game I was looking forward to the most over the weekend. Although I thought there was just this really stupid narrative out there that Lamar Jackson couldn't win playoff games. And look, I, I think there's something to be said for understanding that it is a narrative that he hasn't won a playoff game going into that matchup. I think that's fair to talk about. Lamar Jackson, to that point, had not won a playoff game. But there's this idea, when that's reported, that he can't win a playoff game or that his style won't translate to the postseason or something like that, which is just crazy. And that's one of those deals where I think we all recognize playoff football, you know, in every sport, is, is obviously on another level and things certainly amp up when you get to the postseason. But, like, Lamar Jackson, a season ago, was a starter for the entire year for the first time. So, although he was 0-2, and look, 0-2 is not that bad. Um, But, although he was 0-2, the first year he had, like, what, five or six, maybe, starts before they lost in the playoffs? Year two, he's a full-time starter, wins the MVP. They run into a Titans team that, you know, has the perfect recipe to try and pull off an upset in the postseason. They run the ball and play defense. Same thing this year. That was a close game. Tennessee had the lead early. What do they do? They run the football and they play pretty good defense. So, uh, or tough defense, at least. So, you know, this could have easily been a Titans win as well. And, you know, is it Lamar Jackson can't win in the playoffs? I, I know he didn't play well a year ago, but he loses in year one when he was making his whatever, like, sixth start or whatever. Uh, Year two, he's a full-time starter, and they lose. It happens. Everybody loses in the postseason. Uh, But, you know, I I feel like for that to be a real narrative, he would have needed to, like, lose three or four times, you know, before we're like, hey, maybe we should start evaluating whether Lamar Jackson is legitimately a bad playoff quarterback. Or look, look at his performances. As we all know in football, it's not just the quarterback. I mean, if you score 50 points but your defense gives up 55 every week. Like, what more could you have done other than be, you know, maybe perfect? Uh, So I I just, I thought that maybe we needed to see him struggle in the playoffs like three or four times before that would actually be a real narrative. But, uh, you know, 0-2, we get this this, uh, narrative out there that Lamar Jackson can't play playoff football or isn't going to be good in the playoffs. And uh, I just thought it was funny. But look, he was he played a good game, played much better, obviously, this year than he did last year in the playoffs, and uh, now has a win under his belt as far as uh, the overall resume. So look, Lamar Jackson's now tied with Tim Tebow for playoff wins in NFL history. Um, yeah, what a ridiculous thing. Uh, but no, look, I, I was, uh, I talked about this last week on the pod, but 
there were six games. I ranked them in order of my interest level in each game. I had Ravens-Titans number one overall. I thought a lot like last year, it was going to be a, a good game. I thought the Titans kind of have the recipe to, to beat the Ravens. And I, I just think these teams match up really well to the point that it's really interesting. We got a really good game. I picked the Ravens to win. Uh, they got it done. And that was a fun one. My number two game of the weekend, and I don't know how many people liked this game going in. I think my exact words last week on the pod were Bills-Colts, uh, very sneaky mat- sneaky good matchup. And it, that was a great game. Again, Indy, a lot like Tennessee a year ago, run the football, physical, tough defense. That gives you a chance in the postseason. And, uh, man, that, that was probably my favorite game of the weekend. It was so good. Uh, came down to the end. Josh Allen was outstanding. You know, I was, I was thinking about this, talking about that draft. The year Josh Allen was drafted, I remember at AT&T Stadium, I, I'm up on the top level. They kind of usher these guys through that area, and they make their different radio row stops and do their press conferences, and, and then they, you know, just kind of hang out. And um, it's, it's just kind of a, a different, like, station type thing where they kind of, like, move through the entire process, and then there's a little area where they kind of hang out when they're between things. But... I thought it was fascinating. You know, Josh Allen was a guy that certainly had a lot of hype coming out of Wyoming. There was also a lot of question marks about the level of competition, about his accuracy. And then he had some tweets, uh, you know, that, that now has become a thing. People release tweets when you're about to have a big moment or whatever. So, so these tweets are released about Josh Allen, like right before the draft. So on top of the on the field questions, there were off the field questions and leadership questions and it didn't deter Buffalo from taking him in the top 10. I think he, I think he went number seven. But uh, a few picks later, Josh Rosen gets taken number 10. Still a top 10 selection. And I just remember, like, seeing Josh Allen up there. You know, again, some of it is, is interviews, radio interviews, television interviews, press conferences. And some of it is just, like, you're, you're in these holding areas just talking to people and kind of, like, waiting for, for the next thing that you have to do. And, like, I, re- I just remember, like, Josh Allen in those situations where he wasn't giving an interview and, and you know, people were just kind of, like, talking to him, just had such a good vibe about him despite, again, all the question marks about whether he was good enough physically, despite all of this off-the-field stuff that was happening with his Twitter account and, you know, him being questioned as far as being a leader. And even when he got into the press conference following the draft pick, I think like three or four of the first like four or five questions were about all of that stuff, not about football related stuff. So like to see him just kind of carry himself that way, I thought like was really impressive. Not that, you know, it changed my opinion about what kind of quarterback he was going to be, but I think it's just one of those things like in retrospect, you look at and you're like, yeah, like that guy was really facing a, a shit storm, if you will. And he just, he came out uh, on the other side of it and, and never let it kind of swallow him up versus Josh Rosen, who also had some question marks about him, had some character issues. I think there were some some former teammates that had kind of questioned his leadership and love for the game and all that. He gets drafted number 10 by the Cardinals. And and again, in the similar situation where he's, you know, he's making all the stops, he's going through Radio Row, he's doing his television interviews, he's doing his press conferences. It was those moments where he's in the holding areas waiting for the next thing where he just was so unapproachable, was so upset about, I think, falling to number 10 in the draft. 
not and, and it wasn't just like an upset, I'm gonna use this as a you know, a chip on my shoulder, Aaron Rodgers type thing. It was like a, a very like pouty type situation. And, you know, anybody that talked to him, he 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 just was very put off by the whole thing. And I it, that was just something that really stuck with me as far as Rosen goes. Uh so you know, it's it's one of those things that I don't know how much it means in the in the grand scheme of things, projecting NFL quarterbacks and whether they're going to make it. But I can certainly tell you that with those two guys being top 10 picks in the NFL, one of them, or they both kind of face similar situations where there was adversity and question marks both on and off the field about whether or not th- these guys would be NFL quarterbacks. And to see just the, the way that they handled the situation – 180 degrees different. And, uh, you know, again, I just, I, I thought Josh Allen just seemed like a guy that um, embraced the situation, made the most of the situation, kind of felt like he wanted to prove people wrong versus uh, Josh Rosen, who just kind of like took all of it to heart. And I think just, again, I, I don't know either of these guys, but I just kind of felt like he was just really mad about the situation. And, uh, it kind of affected the way that he treated everybody around him. So, again, take that for what it's worth. But Josh Allen, um, again, I, the, the arm strength was there coming out of Wyoming. Uh, that that you know the size and the arm strength was what people fell in love with. And you know, in this league, you have to be accurate, and that was a big question mark for him. And I mean, to see the guy become a top five quarterback in the league is just incredible. So, uh, again, one of the best stories in the NFL. A lot like Baker and the Browns. Josh Allen and the Bills. And look, I, I think that quarterback class is really interesting because, you know, Lamar Jackson in year number two wins the MVP, right? He, he was outstanding with Baltimore a year ago, wins the MVP. So going into this year, I think, you know, for Josh Allen, for Sam Darnold, uh, for Baker Mayfield, that kind of sped up the expectations and, and what you needed to achieve early on. Uh, because Lamar Jackson was able to have success so quickly. And to see Josh uh, Allen, you know, the following year be in that MVP conversation uh, and and to see how well Josh Allen was playing all year, I think also sped up the clock for Baker Mayfield and the Browns to to get things done. Uh, you know, because I, I think in the NFL, it's it's very easy to say, hey, you know, they're young. They got to they gotta figure it out. They got to, you know, wait their turn, so to speak. But uh you know, with, with those guys both achieving so much so quickly, I think it just kind of sped up the time clock for Baker and the Browns as well. And, and again, uh, Baker and the Browns answer and get to the playoffs, win a playoff game, uh, and just incredible story. But yeah, the uh, the rankings of my games, Ravens-Titans had the Ravens winning. I felt like it was going to be a great game. Bills-Colts had the Bills, again, thought it was going to be a sneaky good game, and it was. I had the only, the only game I picked incorrectly this weekend, I had Seahawks over Rams, and that was a really tough call um, because I think Seattle had just struggled so much on the back half of the year. But I think ultimately I just had more faith in Russell Wilson making the plays when the game was on the line, especially in that offense with Metcalf and Lockett. And the complete unknown about the Rams quarterback situation with Wolford and golf and not really knowing who it was going to be going into the game or if we would potentially see both guys, which we did. But yeah, that was the game. I, I picked Seahawks because I thought Russell Wilson would be the difference. Uh, and that was the one game over the weekend I missed. But um, my number four game was Brown Steelers. I thought that was going to be a much better game than it was I'm, in terms of 
uh, competitiveness. And, man, if you look at the Steelers losing four of their final five to close out the year, what a disaster after the start where they're the NFL's last undefeated team and people started having the real conversation, do the, uh, do the 72 Dolphins need to be worried? Just a complete train wreck for Pittsburgh to close the year. Bucks-Washington was my number five game. Uh, and, you know, the, the Heineke kid, holy cow. He was terrific. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try and, and uh, sell you that this is the next great NFL quarterback. But I think it's fair to give it up to the guy in that situation, in the playoffs, to deliver the way that he did over and over and over. He was outstanding. And if you're Washington, I mean, you let Dwayne Haskins go, who was your first-round pick just a year ago. Alex Smith, you know, for as as great a kind of game manager as he is, uh, ultimately he's not the long-term solution. I don't even know if he's the solution next season. Um, you know, he's, he's certainly limited in what he can do physically still. Um, also one of the best stories in the NFL – uh, just to be back on the football field is nothing short of a miracle. But if you're if you're Washington, um, you know just just based on Heineke, I know it's only one game, and I'm not saying you you make him your franchise quarterback, but um, you have to love the upside to just to perform on that stage. Uh, that's that's not an easy thing to do. So uh, credit him for playing extremely well with the greatest of all time on the other side of the football, Tom Brady. And then my last game was Saints Bears. You know, I said this last week, I didn't really think it was going to be a great game. Didn't really think it was going to be a close game. Uh, and you know, for as much as we kind of questioned Drew Brees, the Saints are just so good across the board that, you know, I, I just didn't think the Bears would ever keep this thing close. So there you go. I went five and one over the weekend, which is, uh, Kind of nice. Seahawks-Rams was the only game I missed. Um, but, yeah, I think we have really good games next weekend as well. We'll talk about those a little later in the week. The national championship is tonight, Alabama-Ohio State. This morning, the line was Alabama minus 9. It's moved half a point. It's now Alabama minus 8.5. So, obviously, some money coming in on, on Ohio State. This is a game where I think Ohio State is going to have to be very close to perfect. And I think they're going to have to play a very similar game as they did against Clemson in the semifinal. It's crazy with Ohio State that the last two times they've played, we've kind of seen the extreme on both ends of the spectrum, right? The Northwestern game, I think that's about as bad as Ohio State can play. And then the Clemson game, I think, is about as good as Clemson is ca- or Ohio State is capable of playing. So we kind of saw the worst and then the best in back-to-back performances. And... I asked the question before the semifinal, like what was the what was the prediction on what would happen? And a lot of people were telling me Clemson in a blowout, and they were basing that answer on how bad Ohio State looked against Northwestern. I think the same thing is happening to a degree going into this Alabama game, where I, I because Ohio State played so well, basically everywhere. I think there's the expectation that that's who they're going to be against Alabama. And I I would just caution people, not that they can't play, because again, they have NFL talent all over the field. They are uh, almost, I mean, as talented as Alabama man for man. But I, I think you have to look at the matchup once again. And, you know, one of the reasons why I felt like Ohio State could play Clemson was because there wasn't one area where I felt like, Clemson was just drastically better than Ohio State, and they could really take advantage of Ohio State. If anything, I kind of thought that 
for as much as the Ohio State defense had been questioned to a degree, Clemson offensively, especially with their offensive line, isn't completely dominant. They're good. They're not great. And Ohio State's defensive line absolutely dominated that matchup. The run game never got going for Clemson, and Trevor Lawrence was under siege all night, never really had the opportunity to get into a rhythm and get that passing game going. So where I think the biggest difference is from the Clemson matchup to the Alabama matchup for Ohio State is that exact matchup, the Ohio State defensive line against the Alabama offensive line. Alabama is, I think, miles better on the O-line than Clemson was. And I think Alabama will be a completely different test on the line of scrimmage to the point that Mac Jones is going to have significantly more time to throw the football than Trevor Lawrence did. Najee Harris is going to have significantly better running opportunities than Travis Etienne did. So I think you're already talking about a better run game. I think you're talking about more time to throw the football and then, again, going back to the you know the build-up to the Ohio State-Clemson matchup, I think a lot of people felt like the secondary from the Buckeyes could be exploited by that group of Clemson receivers. Well, unfortunately, they were never able to, th- to throw the ball consistently down the field because they were losing the line of scrimmage. Alabama not only is going to win the line of scrimmage, or at least win some of the time, more often than Clemson did, but... You're talking about getting the ball to guys like Devontae Smith and John Mechie, and we go back to the Ohio State secondary and the question marks there. So I think Alabama is going to score a bunch of points. I think offensively they're going to be way better than Clemson was against this Ohio State defense. I think they're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage, and I think we're going to see Alabama do exactly what they've done all year long, which is run the football, hit big plays in the pass game, Watch Mac Jones, you know, as long as he's not making bad decisions, which he's been really, really good with his decision-making all year long. I think it's just, it's Alabama business as usual. The most interesting part of this game for me is the Ohio State offense and the Justin Fields storyline, because for as great as they were against Clemson, I think they could be equally that good against Alabama. Whereas I don't think defensively Ohio State is capable of matching the performance against Clemson. I think offensively they are capable of matching the performance. I just don't know if Justin Fields from a physicality standpoint and from a health standpoint is going to be able to duplicate what he did. I think he could be a guy that makes a bunch of big plays in this game, but if he can't pull the trigger and he can't throw the ball accurately and he can't take advantage of Chris Olave over the top, then I I think they get steamrolled. This Alabama defense is really good and they've got playmakers in all three levels but they can be beat. We have seen offenses have success against this Bama defense all year long. Now, there was, there was a stretch where they were shutting people down. But look, we, you know, Florida had success in the SEC championship game. Remember, Ole Miss had a lot of success against this team. I think Ohio State can absolutely score on Alabama's defense. It's just a question of whether Justin Fields is healthy enough to do it consistently for four quarters and keep pace with Alabama. Because once Alabama gets ahead by a couple scores and, you know, it starts to snowball, then you're really going to have to dig down. And if Justin Fields doesn't have that extra gear or that just, you know, that ability that separates him from the other quarterbacks in college football, that's where I think there's a shortcoming. So I'm really excited about the matchup. I definitely think Alabama is going to be able to score on Ohio State. I think Ohio State can score on Alabama. I just don't know if they can do it as consistently as they're going to need to. If they're not as good offensively as they were against Clemson, 
then I think we're talking about Alabama big. So uh, my official pick is Alabama over Ohio State to win another national championship for Nick Saban. I do want to talk about the transfer portal a, a little bit this week. Um, I, I do. It's such an interesting situation because I feel like kids are so often criticized for transferring, and I, I kind of want to break this down a little bit later in the week. So Ronnie Perkins has declared for the NFL draft. I don't know what draft grade he's getting. I don't know if this is a situation where he was already told that he's going to be a first-round pick. I'll tell you this. Just this morning, I saw him as, uh, I think, like the number 28 or 29 pick in a mock draft. So he's already, in some of the mock drafts, getting first-round love. But I, I said this a week ago. Ronnie Perkins is a guy that I think if he had gone back to school was really going to have an opportunity to maybe be like a top 10 to 15 pick in the NFL draft a year from now because people were going to be familiar with him. He was going to play for an entire year, and, and I think he's just a dominant force in college football. But I also thought that if he had declared, because this year is so unlike any other where teams are so late in starting their draft evaluation process, that if he declared and he made himself available and teams were able to really put the manpower into scouting him and watching his film, I thought his stock was going to skyrocket. I, I think throughout the next couple months, we're going to see Ronnie Perkins really jump up in terms of where he's ranked as far as an edge rusher in the NFL. And like I said, I, I wouldn't at all be surprised if he becomes a guy that's widely considered to be a first-round pick. As I, as I said, I just saw a mock draft that had him as a first-round pick. So there's already a little bit of momentum for Ronnie Perkins being a you know round one or two guy. But I, ju I just think that when teams watch him play, they're going to fall in love with him, and he's going to be a guy in a league that is absolutely predicated on the pass and being able to get after the quarterback that uh, teams are really going to like what they see from Ronnie Perkins. And again, I just expect his stock to, to go through the roof throughout this process. So I think teams are really going to like Ronnie Perkins as long as there aren't any issues that pop up along the way. Um, he's a guy that I, I think is, is going to be coveted by NFL GMs. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products like CBD, Kratom, or the new Delta 8 capsules. You can order all of that online, abotanicalcompany.com. When you order online... Use the discount code ColbyShow, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, ColbyShow, to save 15% off your online order. Again, you can order online, easy and safe pickup. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please feel free to give them a call, 405-458-9699. They're all about helping educate you on what they have available and how it can benefit your daily life. So uh, if you're unfamiliar or uh, they have certain products that you're not really uh, educated on, then just give them a call or do some research yourself. But the, the website is outstanding, really easy to navigate, 15% off with the discount code ColbyShow at abotanicalcompany.com. All right, national championship tonight. I've got the Crimson Tide. Everybody have a great day, stay safe, and I will talk to you tomorrow.
The podcast is over.